Good morning, everyone, and welcome to Overeaters Anonymous, a Vision for You Big Book Study. My name is Janice, and I am a recovered compulsive overeater. Today is Thursday, October 31st, 2013. Today we are reading from the big book. We are in Chapter 11, A Vision for You. We are on page 153 beginning with the paragraph, Our Hope is That When This Chipped of a Book. Today's readers are Larissa, Katie F., Kathy K., and Rebecca. The reference number for yesterday, which was Wednesday, October 30th, is 5383. That's 5383. OA Preamble. Overeaters Anonymous is a fellowship of individuals who, through shared experience, strength, and hope, are recovering from compulsive overeating. We welcome everyone who wants to stop eating compulsively. There are no dues or fees for members. We are self-supporting through our own contributions, neither soliciting nor accepting outside donations. OA is not affiliated with any public or private organization, political movement, ideology, or religious doctrine. We take no position on outside issues. Our primary purpose is to abstain from compulsive eating and to carry the message of recovery through the 12 steps of OA to those who still suffer. Our sole purpose. OA's fifth tradition states, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. At a Vision for You Big Book study, our message is that the 12 steps and 12 traditions, our message is that people who suffer from compulsive overeating can recover through abstinence and the practice of the 12 steps and 12 traditions of Overeaters Anonymous. I will now ask Diane to please read the 12 steps. Good morning, everyone. This is Diane from New Hampshire. Can you hear me okay? Can hear you just fine, Diane. Thank you. 12 steps. One, we admitted we were powerless over food, that our lives had become unmanageable. Two, came to believe that a power greater than ourselves could restore us to sanity. Three, made a decision to turn our will and our lives over to the care of God as we understood him. Four, made a searching and fearless moral inventory of ourselves. Five, admitted to God, to ourselves, and to another human being the exact nature of our wrongs. Six, we're entirely ready to have God remove all these defects of character. Seven, humbly asked him to remove our shortcomings. Eight, made a list of all persons we had harmed and became willing to make amends to them all. Nine, made direct amends to such people wherever possible, except when to do so would injure them or others. Ten, continued to take personal inventory, and when we were wrong, promptly admitted it. Eleven, sought through prayer and meditation to improve our conscious contact with God as we understood him, praying only for his knowledge of his will for us and the power to carry that out. And twelve, having had a spiritual awakening as a result of these steps, we tried to carry this message to compulsive overeaters and to practice these principles in all our affairs. Thank you, and I pass. Thank you, Diane. I would now like to ask Sharon H. to please read the 12 Traditions. 
Good morning. This is Sharon H. in Colorado, Grateful Compulsive Overeater. The 12 Traditions. 1. Our common welfare should come first. Personal recovery depends upon OA unity. 2. For our group purpose, there is but one ultimate authority, a loving God as he may express himself in our group conscience. Our leaders are but trusted servants. They do not govern. 3. The only requirement for OA membership is a desire to stop eating compulsively. 4. Each group should be autonomous except in matters affecting other groups or OA as a whole. 5. Each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. 6. An OA group ought never endorse, finance, or lend the OA name to any related facility or outside enterprise less problems of money, property, and prestige divert us from our primary purpose. Seven, every OA group ought to be fully self-supporting, declining outside contributions. Eight, Overeaters Anonymous should remain forever non-professional, but our service centers may employ special workers. Nine, OA as such ought never be organized, but we may create service boards or committees directly responsible to those they serve. 10, Overeaters, excuse me, Overeaters Anonymous has no opinion on outside issues, hence the OA name ought never be drawn into public controversy. 11, our public relations policy is based on attraction rather than promotion. We need always maintain personal anonymity at the level of press, radio, films, television, and other media of communication. And 12, Anonymity is the spiritual foundation of all of our traditions, ever reminding us to place principles before personalities. Thank you, and I pass. Thank you so much, Sharon. How our meeting works. Our meeting focuses on the directions for recovery described in the Big Book of Alcoholics Anonymous. We read a paragraph or two from the literature, then stop and share on what was read. Anyone can share, but we ask that you keep your sharing to the topic and literature we are discussing and that you keep your share to approximately three minutes. Singleness of purpose reminds us to identify as compulsive overeaters only. Our abstinence requirement for moderators is one year and for readers is six months. There is no abstinence requirement for sharing on topic. This meeting does request that your sharing be directly linked to what was read. We are sharing what the directions in the big book mean to us. To share, press star one to unmute. Once you are done sharing, let us know by saying pass. Then press star one to mute your phone. In order to have a quiet meeting, everyone's phone, except the speakers, should be muted. Today we resume our study of the big book and we are in Chapter 11, A Vision for You. We are going to begin on page 153 with the the second paragraph on that page starts with our hope is that when this chip of a book. And today I would like to ask Larissa to please get us started. Good morning. I'm Larissa. I'm a grateful, recovered, compulsive overeater and elapsed survivor. Our hope is that when this chip of a book is launched on the world tide of alcoholism, defeated drinkers will seize upon it to follow its suggestion. 
many, we are sure, will rise to their feet and march on. They will approach still other sick ones, and fellowships of Alcoholics Anonymous may spring up in each city and hamlet, havens for those who must find a way out. Well, um, it, it, the words here, the imagery of this ripple effect, you know, and the humility, this chip of a book, you know, this is a masterpiece <laughs> freeing people's lives and souls. And the idea that as it's thrown into this ocean of disease, that it will spread outward with ripples of healing. Um, it brings me to the the forward to our editions. You know, the, the, in the first edition, we're you know we're more than 100 men and women who have recovered from a seemingly hopeless state of mind and body. And it's interesting that in the forward to the first edition, um, you know, they talk about recovered, the number of, of individuals and the number of recovered. Uh, in the forward to the second edition, again, they tell us the counts. And they say uh, over 6,000 groups, this is 1955, um, and 1,500 recovered, uh, I'm sorry, 150,000 recovered alcoholics. Again, this amazing mushrooming beyond anything they dreamed of the number of lives they would touch. But ironically, in the third and fourth forward, the forward to the third edition and the forward to the fourth edition, they then start talking about the fellowship, the number of members the number of lives that may be improved, but they're not specifying recovery. And it's, it's interesting, I, you know, we get stats of the 75% success rate when people were following this basic text as the instructions for how to recover. And then we're not really given success rates when this basic text was not the primary means in which people recovered. But it, it's just so amazing, the number of lives, the millions of copies and the, and the hundreds of, Twelve-step groups that have mushroomed out from these first 100, and it, it brings me to the chapter that we're on and the way we end this meeting and the name of this group. That you know, we're meant to ask each day, ask God each day, what we can do for the man who's still sick. The right answers will come to us. So these first 100 knew they had to help more people than they were physically capable of doing themselves. They knew they had to carry this message farther and wider and um, they had no idea what the outcomes were going to be and it's just this reminder that you know we have this obligation to be thinking of others uh, and what we can do for the people who are still sick and suffering and let that ripple effect touch the world you know there's this reference that says you know for those that didn't recover I think 50% recovered and then another 25% um recovered after some relapse, but all of them had improvements. Um, these instructions, these, these guideposts for how to live life on life's terms, they change our lives. They, they, they save our lives, and they enable us to live lives of sin and happy usefulness. So um, it, is, uh, it, it is more than a hope. It is, you know, we have, we have the facts of their experience, um, and we have faith that when we seek to carry the message, we, have, we, we will touch lives and we will be able to make a difference in the lives of the, the man who's still sick. And what a gift to our own recovery and what additional freedom that brings. I think that's enough. I'll leave it at that. Thank you so much. I pass. Thank you, Larissa. Would anyone like to comment on this paragraph? This is Sally. 
Leah. Okay, can you start again, um, Sally? You're the first. Sally. Katie. Sally Sally. <laughs> All right, let's start with Sally, and then we'll take these as we come. Sally first. Thank you, Sally. Thank you, Janice. Good morning, a vision from you, for you. It's Sally, um, recovered compulsive overeater in South Jersey. So I wanted to share on this first line and this last line. Our hope is that when this chip of a book is launched on the world tide of alcoholism, defeated drinkers, I am one of those defeated eaters, will seize upon it to follow its suggestions. And I thought about some of the important statements that are spoken about this chip of a book. Just a couple One is where it tells us that the main purpose, this is at the top of XIII or uh, Roman numeral 13, the main purpose is to show other alcoholics how we recovered. Then Dr. Silkworth tells us in XXVII, the subject presented in this book seems to me to be of paramount importance to those afflicted with the alcohol addiction. Then on page 20, it tells us if you are an alcoholic who wants to get over it, you may already be asking, what do I have to do? It is the purpose of this book to answer such questions specifically. And finally, I'm going to just share one more, page 144, where it says, we are sure a great deal can be accomplished by the use of the book alone. What an incredible statement, and it's so true, because here I've been going to OA for over 30 years and just was not getting it, didn't understand the solution, you know, was caught in a malaise of thinking that some type of voodoo practice of of attending three meetings a week, I mean, i.e., keep coming back, it works. Okay, I'll keep coming back if it's going to work, if I make three phone calls a day, and if I do, if I focus, focus, focus on on all these tools, oh, I will, I will. Then can I have the promises of page 83? Apparently that was not going to get this job done. But when it goes on to say at the end of this paragraph, they will approach still other sick ones and fellowships of Alcoholics Anonymous may spring up in each city and hamlet, havens for those who must find a way out. Wow, what an incredibly powerful sentence. You know, a lot of the times, this book uses strong language. It tells us our disease is tragic. It's grave. It's a fatal malady. We're doomed on page 92. It's a predicament. Here it says, havens to those who must find a way out. That's me. I was one of those desperate, in pain, looking for a way out. And I'm reminded of the AA 12 and 12, page 22, when it says, when these laid hold of AA principles with all the fervor, the word fervor means intensity, excitement, enthusiasm, with all the fervor, passion, that would describe me, with which the drowning seas life preservers, they almost invariably got well. My life preserver was this chip of a book. And I am so grateful that God saw fit to put it in my hands. Thanks for letting me share with that, I pass. Thank you, Sally. 
And who else would like to share on this paragraph? Kim? Leah? Go ahead, Kim. And then Leah. Good morning, Janice. Good morning, my fellows. My name is Kim G, and I'm a recovered compulsive overeater from South Jersey. You know, the, the language that Bill's used, you know, the launching on the world tide of alcoholism, defeated drinkers will seize upon it to follow his suggestions. You know, they have a lot of confidence in this book. I always like in the chapter, Working with Others, where they say, show them this book, show them this book. The book wasn't even out yet when they were saying this. This is the confidence they had in this program of recovery. So I just want to take a minute. You know, we we often want to go to the OA 12 and 12 and the AA 12 and 12 and think that's how we can work the steps because Chapter 1 is Step 1, Chapter 2 is Step 2, Chapter 3 is Step 3. And we think this book is just a wonderful bit of stories, a wonderful bit of stories that we can we can laugh at and identify in with. But if we go to the table of contents, this ship of a book is written in a very specific manner. I mean, we start out with the doctor's opinion that says who and what we are. It describes the disease because if we don't know what a compulsive overeater is and if we don't identify in with having that twofold illness, the rest of the book doesn't make sense. And then what does that look like in a real-life experience? And then we go to Bill's story that shows us what the life of a compulsive overeater looks like. Um, And then there is a solution. It's going to be a little little glimpse into what that solution is and a lot about the problem. And then more about alcoholism talks about the insanity, the insanity of just being abstinent. So what is that? That's step two, claim to believe in a power that are greater than ourselves that could restore us to sanity. And then we agnostics is going to tell us how we need that power. And then we get into how it works where most of us start in the book. Look at all the information. The doctor's opinion through page 60 where it says being convinced for us, step three, is 70-something pages. That's all step one and two. And that steps three through 11 is in how it works and into action. So this book is going to bring us through the 12 steps. This book is going to be there for those who are defeated. Because until we know we're defeated, until we think that there's a door number three or there's another way for us to beat the game, we're not going to submit to this program. So this is the beauty of this book. And they're hoping that those who are defeated, like I was defeated after 17 years of working this fellowship very hard, but not working in the program of recovery, I seized upon its direction. I walked through these 12 steps, and today I am recovered. Today I walk a free woman. I am no longer tortured by the food. Today the miracle of the way is not that I can beat the food one more day, Today, the miracle of our way is I no longer want to eat my binge foods. And today, Halloween is about children getting dressed up in costumes and enjoying the fun of the day and not the torture of sitting in my house with a bunch of binge foods wondering if I'm going to wind up binging when those children are done. And with that, I pass. Thank you, Kim. Go ahead, Leah. Thank you so much, Janice, for your service. Good morning, everybody. My name is Leah. I'm, I'm a recovered compulsive overeater. Our hope is that when this chip of a book is launched on the world tide of alcoholism, alcoholism, defeated drinkers will seize upon it to follow its suggestions. You know, these pages were penned by men and women who um, had recovered, 
who had <laughs> risen out of a seemingly hopeless state of mind and body. Um, you know, and once they became sure that their feet were set on the right track, they decided upon this book that we study every morning, this book which could tell other alcoholics the good news, the good news that there is a way out, which is the same message that those of us that are recovered try to bring to this line every morning. Um, as this you know, big book took form, they inscribed in it the essence of their experience. They had a spiritual experience through the application of these steps. It was the product, this book was the product of thousands of hours of discussion, and it represents the collective voice and the collective heart and the collective conscience of those who pioneered these early years in AA. And... um you know, just think about it. I mean, most textbooks get updated from time to time. People make new discoveries of material and expand their knowledge on the subject. You know, you can Google any particular subject and you'll find hundreds of, of sites that have something to say about the topic uh, you're researching. But the first 164 pages, including the introductory material, um, have never been touched. They've been left un touched. Why is that? Well, it's because since 1939, when the book was first published, no one has been able to improve on the recovery program inscribed in the first edition. In all the years that have passed, since the big book's first edition, no one has come up with a better solution. The 12-step program works as well now, today, October 31st, 2013, as it did in 1939. In fact, the Library of Congress announced that Alcoholics Anonymous, this book that we study every morning, has been named on its list of, uh, what, 88 books that shaped America, books that have influenced the nation. So that same solution that's described in this book is the same solution that was given over to me in 1987 when someone who had been recovered, who had been in the hell of alcoholism, cracked open these pages and brought it to life and taught me how to apply these very same steps into my own life and allowed me to have that same result. The obsession of the mind being driven out, being restored to sanity, soundness of mind, being able to walk this planet a free woman after almost two decades of mayhem. A way out. And with that, I pass. Thank you. Thank you, Leah. Would anyone else like to share on this paragraph? This is Katie. Go ahead, Katie, and then Bella. Good morning, this is Katie, a recovered compulsive overeater in Virginia. Um, uh, many, we are sure, will rise to their feet and march on. They will approach still other sick ones and fellowships among us. May spring up in each city and hamlet. I mean, it really is amazing to me that they wrote that and had no idea that what was going to happen. I mean, it, it, it just shows me that their higher power was in this, was in this thing, that it wasn't just by happenstance, I don't think that's a word, whatever that word is, um, that, that this happened, 
that, you know, we have something that is uh, carry death and weight. We have an answer. We don't need to look any further. Um, and this program works. And we have a solution that if anybody is interested, we are willing to share. Those of us who come here every day on this line are not just doing this, um, you know, we're not paid. We're not getting uh, mentioned on, you know, Twitter. Uh, nothing is um, about uh, popularity or um, fame. We are doing this because this is something that saved our lives, and we want still others for their lives to be saved. And, you know, I just am so um, grateful that they had the insight to write this book because, as Kim shared, you know, the 12 and 12 wasn't written until 1955, I think, and so that was 16 years after this book was written. And it's very helpful in working the steps, but the answers are in this book. And, you know, we, it's a way to identify in and to find a solution. And, you know, it's just amazing. This paragraph, you know, is, is on page 153. You know, these first 164 pages have not been changed. This is not in hindsight. This is written before there was ever an AA fellowship. And with that, I'll pass. Thank you, Katie. And now, Bella. Good morning. My name is Bella, and I am a thankful recover compulsive overeater. Thank you, Janice, for leading this meeting, and thank you, everybody that is on the line. Wow, I really like this paragraph. It's a paragraph with a hope. It starts our hope, and it's finished... who must find a way out. It's a hope. It's not a waste of time and energy. It's not we are wasting time by listening to to non-valuable words. It's a hope. If you really want to go out from from the disease, if you are really looking for, for, for a solution, there is a hope. Now, what is the hope? to follow its suggestions. And it brings me what I was before the program and what, thank God, I am in the program. Before the program, I knew that I have a problem with my weight because of me. I don't have the willpower. I don't want to lose weight. I don't want to work on it. It was everything, the blaming and judging myself. And... Obviously, it didn't work out because I still didn't change my situation. And now that I am in the program, it's to follow this suggestion. It's not a book that you must. It's not that, oh, you must do. And if you don't do, it's a suggestion. What means a suggestion? You have the power to choose, and this is all about this beautiful program, that we know that we are powerless, we don't have control. We, we do have one control, to choose, to do better choices one day at a time. And if we want to follow the way out and to have a hope, yes, you have the willpower 
to choose and the rest is up to God. You have to, to show God that you have a willpower and this is the suggestion. If you want, if you open yourself, if you are open mind to will to change, here you will find the hope. And it's such a wonderful, empowering world, suggestion. It's nothing you must. You ju I just have to show the willpower. I am open myself up completely to God. And this is my choice. And this is the power that I have. I want to be connected to God to be able to do the best choice one day at a time. And this is the hope. And this is the solution. Thank you for letting me share, and I pass. Thank you, Bella. Well, this is Janice, and I am a recovered compulsive overeater. Thank you, God. Thank you, God. You know, this paragraph says so much because it tells me how it works. It tells me how it works, what they found to be true, these first 100 recovered alcoholics who penned this volume. You know, what is their hope? What is their goal and their aim and their objective? Well, they're telling us right here. It's that they, they hoped so much that putting it down in the form of a book would help them reach many more people than they've been able to reach so far because they knew what was working for them. They knew what was working for them. And this recovery that they were finding, this transformation, this spiritual solution was happening in their individual lives, in their individual brains, their individual bodies, their individual minds, one after another, as they carried this message to each other. And then it was it was happening in their relationships. It was happening with their wives and their husbands and their partners. That's why they give us a chapter like that. And then it was happening at the workplace. It was happening with their employers. It was happening in their jobs. It was happening in their families afterwards. You know, it was happening to them. And so they put that down in this book so that hopefully when this book was launched, that more and more and more people, they could carry the message to more and more people. Because they're telling us here that if you were defeated like they were defeated, if you could identify in like they did, then these suggestions would work for you too on how to find the way out, on how to find this spiritual solution. And they were sure, they tell us, many we are sure will rise to their feet and march on. You know, following that road of happy destiny. But, you know, if you don't know where you're going, any road will get you there. How many times have I heard that on this line? So you have to know you have to know who you are and what you're up against. And that, that information was found for me right here in this book. Right here in this book. And then they tell us how it works. That when we approach still sick others, then the fellowship will grow. Then, the, then more and more people will reach out to more and more sick alcoholics. And the fellowship will grow. And where will it grow? In each city and hamlet. I know, because they were beginning to see this happening for themselves. 
They were beginning to see this. And it only happened for those who must find a way out. Those who were defeated, those who said, yes, I am a compulsive overeater. Yes, I identify with you and I want what you have. You know, thank God. And they put it in this book so that the book could go places they could not. And that's still happening today. That is still happening today. Thank God for this information. And with that, I'll pass. And let's move on to the next paragraph. And Katie F., could you please read that for us? This is Katie, a recovered compulsive overeater. Um, In the chapter, Working with Others, you've gathered an idea of how we approach and aid others to help. Suppose now that through you, several family members, families, have adopted this way of life. You will want to know how more of how to proceed from that point. Perhaps the best way of treating you to perhaps the best way of treating you to a glimpse of your future will be to describe the growth of the fellowship among us. Here is a brief account. Years ago in nineteen thirty five, one of our number made a journey to a certain western city. From a business standpoint, his trip came off badly. Had he been successful um, in his enterprise, he would have been set on his feet financially, which at the time seemed vitally important. But his venture wound up in a lawsuit and bogged down completely. The proceeding was shot through with much hard feelings and controversy. Um, And so... You know, this paragraph is saying that, you know, we can plan, we can plan, make all kinds of plans, and we can see that if things don't go our way, that all is lost. But, um, you know, this is going to go on to show that, you know, because of this bad incident, this person reached out to another person, and then, you know, that that started... Um, you know, recovery for another. And so that's what, you know, that's what we do. I mean, when I have a bad day, it doesn't do me much good to just call person after person after person and tell them how awful my life is or how awful this person is or how awful that is. You know, we work with others because we want to give them the hope and the um, assurance that no matter what happens, um no matter what happens in life, you don't have to pick the food and you can be available to help another person. And, you know, that's what this is giving us a glimpse of is that, you know, we don't have to keep climbing up this ladder of um, success in this program only to hit a bump and fall all the way back down. You know, that's what I did for years in this program is I would go along, things would seem to be getting better and then, One, you know, stupid day I would have, you know, some crazy thing would happen and I would go back to the food and I started a vicious cycle over and over and over. And today I don't have to do that. You know, I work with others because it helps me to share the experience, strength, and hope I have and then I just, you know, I get my problems back in perspective. You know, there's been times when there have been true crises going on in my life. And, you know, those are the times I, it's amazing how God carries me and I don't even, you know, 
I ask for support, but it's not the same as when I'm in a petty uh, pity party, a self-pity. My character defects are just rearing their ugly head, and I'm in uh, bogged down. But working with others helps me to stay focused on the positive and to um, trust God because that's, you know, what happens. This, this business deal fell apart, but this died didn't fall apart. And that's what happens in my life today. My life can have a lot of bumps in the road, but it doesn't mean that I have to become bogged down. And uh, with that, I'll pass. Thank you. This is Bella. Can I share? Thank you, Janice. Go ahead, Um, Sharon. Okay, thanks. This this is Sharon in Colorado, grateful compulsive overeater, and um, this this is so meaningful. It says you will want to know more of how to proceed from this point. Perhaps the best way of treating you to a glimpse of your future will be to describe the growth of our fellowship. And then it goes on to describe Bill's story, which we read before in his in the beginning chapters. And this is just so meaningful to me um, to know that here he was just feeling so um, so alone, so discouraged, and I think he only was about six months sober at this time and was in a different state. A uh, business deal had just fallen through, and um, I'll just never forget how they described it. You know, he went down uh, to the lobby, and he could hear in the bar the people laughing and drinking and having a good time, and his first thought was, oh, I think I need to just go in there and get a glass of ginger ale or something. But he knew he was on very shaky ground, and so he went to the um, directory and called the Uh, a church and got the name of another person in that town and that was the beginning of this book this chip of a book being um, put together and I just am so grateful every time I hear this story um, that it started with this um, by God's grace it started with this one man who had received this gift of sobriety after decades of being just miserable and lost in the uh, devastation of alcoholism and all of its consequences. And so it is just so wonderful to hear this again in this chapter, A Vision for You, and know that because of that, each one of us on the line have that opportunity to be recovered and live in the light and grace of recovery and be able to help others um, who are still suffering. So uh, I'm just so grateful to be on the line today and so grateful to uh, just hear these, um, you know, these line-by-line messages that we hear every morning on the line. With that, I pass. Thank you, Janet. Thank you, Sharon. Go ahead, Bella. Good morning. My name is Bella, and I'm a thankful recover-compulsive overeater. Thank you, Janice, for leading this meeting, and thank you, everybody that is on the line. I really like this paragraph, and it's it's lovely, empowering paragraph, and it explains the paragraph before. Before, we said that there is a hope. So in this paragraph, it gives us what means a hope. So it says here, uh, several families have adopted this way of life. 
What means adopted? And I am thinking when uh, people adopt a child, what means they adopt a child? They change the reality. The reality is that that child was born biological to another parent, but it can be changed. Other person, obviously his biological parents cannot um, cannot be with him or cannot be his parents because of any reason. So other people took upon them to be his the, 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 the child's parents. They choose it because they love it, because they want it. They change the reality according to their love. And this is a stopped this way of life. Yes, this is our choice to, to change our way of life. And, and it says to know more of how to, uh, to proceed from that point. Yes, and this point has to lead us to hope. We can change our reality. We can change our bio- biological disease. Yes, I was born with an allergy in the body and obsession in the mind. Yes, it's a fact. This is the way I was born. This is the way, the gift that God gave me. But it doesn't mean that I, can, that I have to suffer all my life. cannot be that God gave me such a thing to suffer. Now, thank God, thank God, I want to change my point of view. And this is the hope. I can, I can learn and I can have new tools how to change my reality. How can I live better even though I have this disease? How can I live a wonderful life with my disease, with my allergy in the body and obsession in the, in the mind? And this is the hope. I want to change my point of view. I can change it. I can adopt a different way. I want to, to take upon me a different way of life, to be connected to, to God that gave me the gift of life. Thank you for letting me share, and I pass. Thank you, Bella. Hello, anyone else? Oh, I'm sorry. Paula, Paula, Paula. This is Larissa. May I share? It's Sally. This is Paula. Paula, Marissa, and then Sally. Go ahead, Paula. Thank you. You know, I wanted to, to that line. Here is a brief account. Brief, he uses the word brief. Honey, you can talk and talk and talk and talk. But this is a brief account. Either you're going to hear it or you're not. He uses other words that should really bring a lot of significance as we read, our hope is that when this chip of a book, now look at what we're saying, chip, that's small, is launched on the world tide of alcoholism. Sweetheart, you better know this disease is like a tide. It will come in. It will sweep you out. But yet he uses the word chip. May I just bring to mind, there's an iPad here that says, the spark not a fire, not a fire. The spark that was to flare into the first AA group was struck at Akron, Ohio in June 1935 during a talk between a New York stockbroker and an Akron physician. 
Look at the words he uses. That's it. We have no idea, and I love, and I'm going to end here because it did say a brief account. That part, a glimpse. Now, he didn't say I'm going to show you the whole picture because he didn't know it. But look at here. A glimpse of your future will be to describe the growth of the fellowship. All those words among us. Honey, I'm a team player. I ain't the captain. And I'm more than happy to do that and be there. Thank you so much, Janice, and thank you for your service. With that, thank I you, can. Paula. You're thank you, Paula. Go ahead, Marissa. Good morning, everyone. Again, it's Marissa, still recovered in New York. So grateful. Um, yeah, I, you know, the story that they're referencing is given to us in the book over and over again. It's in the forward to the second edition. It's in the Bill's story, obviously. Here it is again in the vision for you. Um, and what a miracle. Like, this was a complete business failure that begot a movement that changed the world. So it's, as we said earlier, it's a reminder that we don't know what path life is going to take us on and where our our defeats are going to become triumphs and where our triumphs might become defeats. It's, you know, ours is not to ask why. God has a plan that's way bigger than ours. Um, in, in the... Um, in the forward to the second edition where they talk about that spark. Um, it speaks specifically of how six months earlier he had been relieved of his drink obsession by a sudden spiritual experience. And then it goes on to say that prior to that journey to Akron, he had worked hard with many alcoholics on the theory that only an alcoholic can help an alcoholic, but he had succeeded only in keeping sober himself. That reminder that when we sponsor we are the ones being helped, not the man who's still sick. That work is between them and God, and that's, you know, the outcomes are not up to us there either. Um, and so it basically the fellowship commenced, you know, started completely out of Bill not having a day that went his way, Bill having a horrific day, like not even knowing how he was going to pay for his hotel room. Um, and yet, instead of doing the boohoo, poor me, um, and turning to drink, which was a perfect excuse for drinking, I'm sure, for his entire life before the six months prior, he knew, he knew, because he was following these spiritual principles, he knew that he had to find someone to help. And oh, what a miracle that he found someone to help, and that we are all happy, joyous, and free today because of those two individuals getting together and, and creating the fellowship that's been mushroomed into, you know, that's been launched onto the world beyond any of our wildest imagination. So it, it's, you know, I love how the book repeats just because we need to know about these miracles. We need to know that on a day when the shit's hitting the fan and we feel horrible and nothing in life is going the way we think it should, we don't know what God has in store for us, but that the solution is always, always turning ourselves to someone who can help, getting out of self, getting out of that selfish self-centeredness and seeing what we can do to make a difference in the world. Thanks so much for letting me comment. Hi, Pat. Thanks, Marissa. Go ahead, Sally. 
Thank you, Sharon. Um, it's still Sally Recovered, Compulsive Overeater. I'm so sorry to double dip when there's so many who probably want to share on this. I just want to make a quick comment to this last sentence here. Perhaps the best way of treating you to a glimpse of your future will be to describe the growth of the fellowship among us. And, you know, I was taking a look at this preface recently, the very first paragraph of this entire book, XI, in the preface, where it tells us in April 1939, this book was printed, and it tells us 300,000 copies went into circulation between 39 and 55. I did the math, and it turns out that it's 51 copies a day that were printed and sold. Then from 55 to 1976, here again, we were given this number that it's a million one hundred and fifty thousand five hundred copies. I did the math here again over twenty one years um fifty five thousand copies a year were printed and sold one hundred and fifty copies a day then from nineteen seventy six to the year two thousand and one is twenty twenty five years and here again we see they give us a number of 19,550,000 copies in all formats. I did the math here again, and what I found out was that 782,000 copies a year were, were printed and sold. 2,142 copies were printed and sold per day. I just learned very recently from a reliable source that right now they are printing and selling 5,000 copies a day of this precious chip of a book, which turns out to be 1,825,000 copies per year. And we are just left to marvel at where we are actually going. And so when we look at this sentence at the bottom of this paragraph, perhaps the best way of treating you to a glimpse of your future will be to describe the growth of the fellowship among us. When we just look at this book and the amount of books being printed, right now 5,000 copies are printed and sold a day. We can see that this book is just expanding the horizons of what it can do, not just for the AA or not just for the, not for the, just for the, the, drug, um, the drug addict, for the eating disorders person. But in so many cases, we are all given the opportunity to see the way of life that this book presents. And that's all I've got. Thanks for letting me share. That I pass. Thank you, Sally. Would anyone else like to comment on this paragraph? Well, this is Janice, and I am a recovered compulsive overeater. So, they, you know, they, they write this book in a way that reminds us of what's just come before. You know, there, there's constant reminders of the education you've had thus far by reading this book. And they're reminding us that in the chapter Working with Others, we were given some clear-cut direction. We were given the idea... Um, we're getting some um, some uh, noise on the line. If you could please press star one to mute your phone. So we were given an idea of how to carry this message, of how we approach and aid others. So it says, now suppose that you have several families, because that's what was happening. That's what was happening with this. Janice, excuse me, I'm going to mute the line.
Janice, star one to unmute, please. Thank you, Leah. Thank you so much. So what we were hearing is we got the idea of how working with others, the chapter working with others, we were given some clear-cut directions, some precise directions of what had worked for them, how you can approach others. And that was how it works. That was how it works. In order to keep it, we have to give it away. And so it says, suppose now that you have several families. Because that's what was happening in this fellowship. Whole families were reunited. Whole families were recovering together. And whole families were involved in this movement of Alcoholics Anonymous. So they're saying, suppose now you have several families that are all recovering together. So you'll want to know how to proceed from this point. Now you're gathering this fellowship. You know, it says that we will get that. We will get that. We will now be surrounded by family and fellowship. You know, that it will grow among us. Because families were being reunited. That was what was attractive. That was what was helping to carry the message, is that people were recovering and families were being reunited. And that was making an impact. That was making an impact. So they're going to describe how the growth of that fellowship started, how from the very beginning carrying the message was how it worked, was how it worked. So they're going to remind us of what happened to Bill W. And so humbly, you know, he tells us again, they share again, what happened in the very beginning, that he was sober, that he was abstinent, but he needed to carry the message to someone else. And that the first time he found himself in a particular dire predicament where those feelings that had always haunted him were coming up again, that this enterprise that he was trying, that he he was so hoping that it was going to unfold in a way that would set him on his feet financially. But the proceeding was shot through with much hard feeling and controversy. So he was finding himself in a situation where it was ripe for restless, irritable, and discontent. Where he was ripe for the disease that centered in his mind getting all riled up again. Because we know the disease centers in our mind. And he was alone and he was sad and he was depressed. And that's what he's setting the stage for, for what happened. You know, what a beautiful thing to be reminded of the very beginning so that I know today how it works, that carrying the message is the most important thing that I do to ensure my own recovery. Work with another alcoholic will save the day. So thank you for the reminder in this book of of the way it works. And we're going to read more about his story and what happened. And I see now that we're at the end of our hour. So uh, we're going to close here. So thank you to everyone who has shared. Thank you to Larissa and Katie and Kathy Kay and Rebecca for being our readers, for Diane and Sharon for doing the steps and traditions, and for all those who shared on the meeting this morning. Thank you very much. We will now close with a reading from the big book on page 164, and we'll follow that by the serenity prayer. So, Kathy Kate, could you please read a vision for you for us? Yes, thank 
Janice, and thank you for your service. This is Kathy Kay, a recovered compulsive overeater. Our book is meant to be suggestive only. We realize we know only a little. God will constantly disclose more to you and to us. Ask him in your morning meditation what you can do each day for the man who is still sick. The answers will come if your own house is in order. But obviously you cannot transmit something you haven't got. See to it that your relationship with him is right and great events will come to pass for you and countless others. This is the great fact for us. Abandon yourself to God as you understand God. Admit your faults to him and to your fellows. Clear away the wreckage of your past. Give freely of what you find and join us. We shall be with you in the fellowship of the Spirit, and you will surely meet some of us as you trudge the road of happy destiny. May God bless you and keep you until then.